Welcome to Love Bites, the rosé wine of podcasts, here to make your day a little brighter. Love Bites is a safe, loving and friendly space with each guest sharing their experiences without judgment. I hope this conversation inspires you and offers a different perspective. Most importantly, I hope that you feel we've kept you company. Today I am joined by Amanda St. John, who is a professional singer, songwriter, music mentor, motivational coach and TEDx speaker. She has coached and mentored for over 15 years, as well as having a successful music career with two albums, UK, Irish and US tours, worldwide airplay, and she has even sang for the US president in Washington, DC. But she only committed to her music career in her mid thirties after a near death experience in a car accident that inspired her to reassess her life and finally follow her dreams. Amanda has created her own amazing podcast called A Created Life that I love. It's so easy to listen to in large part due to Amanda's lovely, open and very honest demeanor. Today we talk about living with purpose, honoring your divine spark that we all have inside us by the way, dating in your 30s and beyond, and money manifestation. Amanda St. John, how are you? I am really good, Laura. Lovely to see you. Thank you for coming to speak to me today. It's such a pleasure. I'm delighted to be invited. Thank you. Do you know, Amanda, that you are one of the reasons that I have continued Love Bites? Really? Yes. So you and I met a couple of times over the last year or so, and then at Happy Fest we met. Yeah. Not that one, but the one before. And we were talking along with my mum and she was like, see that girl, Amanda? She's a great girl and she's got great energy and she's just lovely. So when you've made it, well, we, Kathy, you've made it in life. So then you and I recorded on your podcast together and I loved the direction that it took. We talked about absolutely everything. And... I love the fact that my mom listened to the podcast. Previous love bites, my mother was not allowed to listen to. (laughs) As you know, there were there were some very understand. There were some very saucy topics and topics that mothers and fathers just don't need to know about their daughter. And it wasn't all salacious, but there was definitely things that I would have preferred they didn't listen to. Yeah, I get that. So And it was kind of a, um, mom said to me on a few occasions, do you think I could maybe listen to one? And I just said, just leave it alone. Just leave it be. Then when you and I recorded the podcast together, I was like, mom, you can listen to this podcast. And it's with your mate, Amanda. And she listened and she really, really enjoyed it. And it just showed me that it's the new direction I wanted to take with Love Bites. I'm obviously not recording with Fiona anymore and we haven't fallen out. We're still very good friends, but it's evolved in my hands, essentially. And I not that I got bored talking about relationships and that dynamic. It just, I felt like it had come to a natural end for Fiona and for myself. So when I decided how I wanted Love Bites to evolve, 
it was very much with you in mind and the type of podcast and journey that you have carved out for yourself. So whilst I'm not going to talk about all the things that we previously spoke about, it's not off topic, but it's not going to be front and centre. And I want this podcast to be just a lovely, beautiful hug of company for women that telling stories that inspire and encourage and all the rest of it. And yeah, you you were pivotal and you were pivotal in that for me. Oh, I'm very touched to hear that. And you're just a, a lovely person. No, oh, it's like, thank you because you know yourself, it's like, it's very vulnerable sharing a podcast. And I really, really struggled with who am I and what have I got to share and who do I think I am and will anybody listen? And and then it just was like, I've got so much to share. And what I realised was that I was listening to podcasts more than I was listening to music, more than anything else. And it was the connection, it was the, you know, the company, not like it does feel like you're listening to, to a friend talking. And then I was just like, I've got so much to share. And then on Instagram, you're getting snippets. And then I realized that I'm really building like this affinity and this relationship with the people I listen to. So maybe I could reach more people and connect to people at a coaching level more if I shared myself more. So I think it's one of the hardest things to do is share yourself at that level. So I love getting that feedback because it just makes me feel like I'm doing something right. What did we do before (laughs) podcasts? Like... I'm, I'm with you in that way, Amanda. You feel a, an affinity and a connection to the people that you listen to. And I think especially if you are a people person, you just love to hear what other people feel and think and as best as possible, listen to them and their stories without judgment Yeah. as well. And we talked about it on Instagram recently. You don't have to ascribe to that person's way of life. You don't have to agree with everything they say, but... Isn't it brilliant just to listen in, listen in and truly hear it from somebody else's perspective? There's yeah. always something to learn. There is something to learn. And there's also just to be aware that like, there's different podcasts for different people. Different people resonate with different things. Absolutely. So if you're not resonating it, you can be judgy or you can just not listen. Mm-hmm. It's like, go listen to somebody else that you do relate to mm-hmm. because we're all in just different vibes. We're all mm-hmm. interested in different things. So it's like there's a podcast for everybody the same way as there's music for everybody. Well, we'll have to link your uh, podcast. I was actually listening to a couple of episodes over the last few days. And I think you're fundamentally rooted in mindset, abundance, but you go off into a myriad of topics from money to relationships, starting again and all the rest of it. But listen, tell me about you. Tell me about the life that you have led the things that have happened to bring you to this point. Oh God, how long do you have? <laughs> you t- you, whatever you, will, you want to you, talk about. Yeah. You know I'm a talker, so yeah. it's like, how do I condense this? So I really, I grew up in a one street village. I'm from the North Antrim coast, the most idyllic, beautiful upbringing. But I really struggled all through my teens and all through my twenties with low self-esteem, depression, anxiety. Always wondered like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I not grateful for this lovely life that I had? And like, when we were growing up, like we didn't have a lot, like there wasn't a lot financially, but we had everything that you needed. There was a lot of love and there was safety and community and we had just this beautiful big country nuclear family. So I just always was like, what is wrong with me? Am I just like really ungrateful? 
And then I discovered, I just had this deep, like unfulfilled feeling, there has to be more to life. And then I discovered self-development work. And it was like somebody just shone a light bulb on my life and helped me understand how my identity had been formed and how I had literally been telling myself bullshit my whole life. Like I had decided that I wasn't good enough and that I wasn't smart enough and that I wasn't, do you know, and all of the things that I wanted to do. What age were you when you started that light started to shine in you? About 26. Yeah, about 26. And it was literally like, oh my God, I have been talking shit to myself my whole life. It is not the truth that I'm not good enough. And what happened at 26 that caused you to reevaluate? Yeah, well, it was doing my first, I did like a three day program on this like really deep, intensive self-development course. And then that, that led me on to like self-awareness, self-development. I started training on this. I, I lived and breathed okay. it. And things just started, my life just started to change. But it's a long process of relearning. It's like consistency and effort to reprogram your subconscious if you've lived your whole life from a certain way. So I was very aware that it was going to take time to get to where I wanted to be. Um, within that space, I got married, I had my daughter, I was just, I thought life was going on an upward trajectory, ended up, um, it was a very bad marriage, not to go into too much details, but very abusive, very controlling, and uh, I literally had to get out of that as quickly as possible. Um, I was doing counselling to try and like overcome, like I was very aware that I had created that at some level. Like I, I have been in this victim energy for so much of my life, Laura, and I wasn't even aware of it. I thought I was a really good person. I thought I was doing all of this for everybody else. When's it my turn? Yeah. And there was this like, this has happened to me and that's happened to me. And there was very much a victim energy running, which I wasn't happy to accept mm, okay I didn't want to keep replicating that so I was like right what can I do good for you because people go yeah. through their whole lives yeah. stuck in victim mode yeah and a lot of the time they don't even realize they're yeah. in it yeah so like learning that about yourself and if you find yourself if you're listening to this going what does that even mean if you find yourself like per me per me per like talk, I was actually fed up listening to myself okay to forget to yeah. a point where you're like Jesus I'm fed up yeah. even listening to my own voice so and I was we, um, am I right in thinking that you were blaming other people and external forces yeah okay yeah and then it's not like other people don't have fault but like I put myself in that situation what can I take responsibility for that's a really hard yeah. <laughs> it's a really hard thing to do yeah. to look at yourself and I'm yeah I'm guilty of it I think yeah. we're all guilty of it that person did this that thing happened yeah and my mom's really good at it god damn we Kathy like uh, playing devil's advocate Laura yeah if you were to look at the situation do you like how do you think that you acted and I'm like for god's sake yeah like you know it's it's really difficult to sit and look at yourself and actually take ownership for how you've acted but ultimately it's so liberating because then you know how to grow and you know how to evolve and hopefully not keep making the same mistakes over and over Amanda tell me about that point that turning point what brought you to that stage? Well, I suppose it was just the the desire to to not be stuck. I didn't want to be stuck there. I was like, if I 
blame him and I am I will be broken and I want more for my life and I want more for my daughter and it was just that desire to to be free of that energy and not be like broken and you do see it so much people that are just like have difficult circumstances and they are literally broken for life and the part of me was like the stubbornness like I will not let him dictate my life yeah yeah <laughs> so part of it was self-awareness and part of it was stubbornness so from that I moved I was literally like I was doing counseling I was like right how do I rebuild my life how do I move forward I was a singer who wasn't singing because I didn't think I was good enough okay I was in counseling to try and like get my power back, I suppose, and to build my confidence. My confidence was like at an all time low and I just needed to process a lot. And the last, I remember I was in counseling for a year and the last session with them, I have to be so careful when I say this, but the last counseling session, I left the therapist and I said to him, I feel like I'm strong enough now to deal with whatever life throws at me. So bring it on. Okay. And on the, on the drive home, I had a car accident and I drove myself 300 foot down the side of a mountain. So, yeah, it was very dramatic. The, in universe, style. the universe gave you exactly what you asked yes, for. I know. Okay. You, this is why I'm always saying to people, we are master manifestors. You have to be fucking careful what you ask for. Because yeah, yeah. we do get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you I got was it, like, literally thrown down I the can deal with okay. whatever. I'm strong enough. Bring it on. And then literally an hour later, I'm fighting for my life. So I was 300 foot down the side of a mountain. I had a bad head injury. I was unconscious and I had no pulse when the emergency services arrived and I remember fighting I remember I know I could have died that day Laura okay I really remember the it's hard to explain but it was like this like ethereal peaceful like most beautiful energy in the midst of mayhem of getting cut out of a car and people trying to save your life and I so was were you, just were you conscious of what was happening around you or I can don't... only remember parts of it but I remember drifting in and out of consciousness and there was I remember the first feeling of this bliss like absolute bliss and then slowly coming back into my senses and then my mind consciously going oh oh something's not right something's not what's going on here ah oh something's not right and then blind panic setting okay. in, and then I just remember coming in and out of consciousness but there was no pain like I remember not feeling any pain at all and, and I should knew, you have felt pain were you in a painful predicament oh yeah okay. I, I had literally the car had rolled about 200 foot so the car had rolled about five or six times and then went 80 foot into a ravine I had a head bad, like I had a bad head injury there was blood everywhere there was like okay right it fine. was pretty severe okay yeah so I should have been in pain. I should have been like panicking, but there was just this really peaceful feeling. But anyway, I remember fighting. I was like, I'm not ready to go. I have a three-year-old. I can't leave her. If I leave her, what happens to her? And I had this like immense feeling of like failure. Like if I die now, I've wasted my life. Oh, I, I, I kept thinking I wasn't good enough. And like procrastinate, I'll do, I'll start singing when I feel confident enough, when I'm as good as Aretha. Like that is actually the shit I was telling myself 
when I'm as good as Aretha, I'll start. Like, nobody's as good as Aretha. Yeah, fine. <laughs> you know, nobody. So it's like, I had all these heroes and pedestals and it was like, when I'm as good as a Whitney Houston or Mariah or Etta James or Aretha, which was just so stupid, because you can only ever be as good as yourself. Yes. So I wasn't willing to, to put myself out on the line because I wasn't strong enough to deal with rejection or criticism or whatever. So from that moment, I remember fighting for my life and I remember just asking the, I would say the universe, some people will call it God, but I was like, what do I need to do to get out of this? And as clear as day, in the mayhem, in as clear as day, this voice was just like, sing. Just one word. And I just got this in, like incredible like clarity. And I was like, okay, okay. So I kind of made a deal and I was like, if I get out of this alive, I will sing. And then I did get out of it. It was like miraculous. There was nothing wrong with me. <laughs> there was no like lasting brain damage or there was small things, but I just don't even give them any energy. But when I, when I came around, there was no lasting brain damage. And I literally was, yeah, yeah. I was so, it was an absolute miracle, Laura. It was a miracle. And then I felt the intensity of that miracle as in, I can't waste my life. Do you, did you remember that feeling and that voice and that epiphany that came to you or did that come in time? Oh no, I remembered it so clearly. But what I remembered, there was two sides of it. I remembered the absolute disgust at myself. Right. Like if I die now, I've wasted my life. Okay. And I haven't left anything behind. And I have not done what I was meant to do. So, but as I say, I kept putting it off. I kept thinking I had more time. When Sophia's a little bit older, when I have more money, when I'm more confident, when I'm good enough. And it's like all of the excuses. And then the next thing you know, there's like two years, five years, 10 years. And then you're hanging down the side of the And then thing. I'm literally life or death and going, oh my God, I have wasted my life. So it was a huge wake up call. You know what you describe? It, it, it is something that keeps me awake at night. Really? It's, it's something that makes me wake up in a panic filled nightmare. And it's... I know this is going to sound morbid in my car, but I do think it's things that we need to think about lying in your deathbed yeah. and thinking, I've wasted that yeah. opportunity. I wasted that talent or that spark or that yeah. light in me. Yeah. And I shoulda, woulda, coulda. And isn't it the, you know, the, the, the nurses in the nursing home or whatever yeah. will say that, you know, that the people's regret um, typically lying on their deathbed is, I wish I had a, the, the confidence and the courage to live a life that was true to me. Yeah. So you got that. I got it. It was carefully. awful. It was absolutely yeah. awful that you were hanging out of a ravine. Like that was not ideal. Yeah. But you got that chance to genuinely reassess your life. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about the coaching now. It's like, I don't want people to go to those extremes. It's like, I had all the intuition. I had all the nudges. I had all of the, it's time to do it. It's time to do it. But I didn't listen. So it was like, that's why I'm like, don't wait until you get sick. Don't wait until your life falls apart. Most people are, you know, putting off something that they know could bring them so much more fulfillment and joy and freedom, but they keep putting it off. But like, why wait until life screws you over? Just, just bloody do it. 
brilliant do you know so I think that's what's and it's just been part of my journey so from that I was nearly scared not to sing because I was I was like I vowed that I would I've so made this promise yeah, if universe. I don't I'll get like struck by lightning and I've had enough drama and I was like and then I also remember a friend saying to me he's like Amanda you have to have everything really dramatic like it couldn't just be like a normal car accident couldn't just be like a normal marriage breakup like there's something that you are like not listening to that it has to be so shit <laughs> and I was like yeah okay. okay so then it was like it was time to start listening to myself and I was scared of something else bad happening so I just threw myself into it Laura perfect and I've always had the coaching I've taught this work for about what 18 years now I've always been leading workshops and teaching personal development and doing coaching and then I had, I started my music career, but I was starting from my early thirties, like mid thirties, mm -hmm. starting from scratch. And I think again, starting out, it's so prevalent in your podcasts yeah. and throughout, and it takes an immense amount of bravery. And I want to ask you something, starting over, yeah. what did that look like? Did that starting over also entail a new relationship, dating? Because yes. I imagine you were pretty cut up, traumatised, working through some stuff yeah. with your ex-husband. Yeah. So how did you move forward? Yeah, I literally had to start from scratch at every area. So we had a business together. I was living in Dublin and we had a business together. So I moved back home and I was starting again in every area of life. I was broke financially. I was broke emotionally. Yeah. <laughs> I had no job I had no career and I I remember thinking I have failed at life it's like I couldn't wait to get away from the one street village because I was like bigger than this yeah. and and then I was like coming home Tilt with my tail legs. between my legs yeah. feeling like such a failure I failed at, I don't have a career I don't have money I don't I failed at my marriage I failed at everything and like I, was, I remember it being a really vulnerable time in such a small community. It was like, I, I didn't even want to go to the, the shop. Like, I didn't want to see anybody because I had a, somebody had to be nice to me. Do you know when somebody's nice to you and then you cry? Yeah. It's like, you can feel it. You're so, yeah. you're like, oh, it's you're like, like, just ignore me and yeah. I'm fine, but yeah. don't show me sympathy or I will cry. So yeah, I was in a really, really vulnerable place for a good year or two. And you came two. up with your daughter. Yes, I was with my daughter and my dad had just been diagnosed with cancer for the first time. So there was a lot and I, all my siblings live away. So I was looking after him as well. So there was a lot to deal with to deal with and just even paying the bills and keeping the house going and because there was no support there either so I just had this fire in my belly I was like I will not be broken I have too much to give I have this second chance at life and I am gonna fucking find a way I am just and that's where I always joke with people when I was a child Mama used to always be like, oh, you're so stubborn, but stubborn can work out well sometimes. Yeah. So starting again, I was actually terrified. Well, I, I threw myself into my music and I retrained uh, with teaching and life coaching and all of that. Amazing. And I, I was like, I had the two prong. It's almost like I, that was paying the bills. And then I started my music as well on the side because music's very expensive to create at the level at which you can promote yourself. So I had the two sides of it always and then looking after Sophia, looking after daddy. So it was mental. Like I worked three jobs and I used to do about eight, nine hundred miles a week in the car. And looking back, I don't even know how I did it, Laura. Oh I don't know how God. I did it. But I had my vision for the future 
And I just knew that it would take something, like it would just take work and that it would be worth it. And I just trusted myself that I would work it out and just take one step at a time. So relationship wise, I was really weary for the, for a couple of years because I understand like the law of attraction and manifesting and the energy. I'm a big believer in, in the power of energy. And I knew that if my vibe was low and I was going into dating from a broken place, I would just attract more bullshit. And I was like, I am not dating until I feel confident, secure, self-assured, until I get my worth back, until I feel good about my life, until I get more control. And I was really, really conscious of that. I was like, I'm just going to attract more bullshit. Yeah. So I just, again, just worked on myself. Because when you're in that low place, quite often, I, I've done it in the past yeah. and I've seen friends um, have done the same thing. When you feel broken like that, you just want somebody to come yeah. in and fix it. Yeah. And you want somebody to fill your really, really depleted cup. Yeah. But as you know, inevitably yeah. you end up attracting the wrong type of yeah. person or then you become so reliant on that person yeah. to fuel and feed your happiness yeah. that when they're not there, even momentarily, you just feel like completely broken and back yeah. to square one. So fair play to you for doing that, Amanda. I know obviously with your daughter, you really had to truly think about yeah. what was best for you at a very deep level as well as her. And so you started to date when you were... Yeah, probably it took me probably about two or three years. And then I went online for the first time. I had never experienced online dating. I'm assuming at so the time there was like a plenty of fish or tinder situation. Yeah, plenty of fish. And it was like, what the fuck? Okay. Like, it was like, I had never. And to be honest, I don't think I'd ever been single. So I really yes, enjoyed okay. being single. Uh -huh. I think I had just always been like one relationship to the next. Or as you say, always needing that validation. And then once I realized that like attracts like, if I'm needing validation, I'm going to attract bullshit. And then I understood like the, I really got to know about inner child work okay. and how adult Amanda, this, the higher self knows who I am, knows what I'm worth. But there's also this little girl inside that's really insecure and just wants to be loved. Yeah. So that's once, really powerful. You, once yeah. you can start to learn that, you get to then... I'll be aware of which, who is this like that's, that's craving attention right now? Is it the adult self that's like boss bitch? Or is it the poor wee girl who just wants a hug? And then it's like, well, I'm not going to go looking for that when I'm not in a good place because then you're only going to like attract like. Yeah. So um, I then, yeah, plenty of fish. Couldn't believe it. It was like, were you overwhelmed, excited, or were you completely no, traumatized? I was traumatized. It was like I signed up and then there was like 200 messages yeah. within like an hour. And I remember going, holy God, and I like deleted everything. Going, I just can't process this. This is like too much. Yeah. And then... Especially when you're from up the coast. Yeah. Small town. Yeah. And then you feel like you're out on display for oh, all these people. I felt like a piece of meat. A piece of, like, a, like, felt, a, like a cattle market. Yeah, yeah. I felt like a piece of meat. But Laura, at that stage, I was like really like, I didn't even say I was from, like I said, I was from Balamina, which is 20 miles away. But I was like, I didn't even want to admit that I was online. Okay. I, know <laughs> I didn't you mean. want the, yeah. the location to show up. Yeah. And also because I was doing my music, I didn't say I was a singer. None of the times that I've been online, I've been online on and off for the last 12 years. 
I never say that I'm a singer because there's too much information. People just Google Amanda Singer Warfoot and there's hundreds of articles and your tour lists. And I was really conscious about safety. Okay. And I was like, I don't want, you know, anybody landing at my doorstep. And like, I've had letters to my door and everything. Amanda St. John Singer Glenarf and it reaches my house. Like, then what? Oh, they want to look after me. Oh, I never nice. have to work again. Uh, actually, I take them up on that at some stage. But okay, so <laughs> you joined Plenty of Fish, <laughs> yeah. and then did it ever progress? And did well, I did stuff like actually. That? I did date a bit, and I just was like really like uninspired. Oh, no. okay. There was about six months where I was like, seriously, is this the quality? It would actually, without sounding like a snob, like I'm a country girl. But I was just like, is this the quality that's available? Yeah. Or so many people that were avoidant or don't have their shit together or can't pay their bills. Or Listen, anybody who has been on a dating app yeah. will attest to the fact that you are not being a snob. It's one of the most debasing experiences, yeah. humbling experiences. Yeah. When you go on to a dating app, I was on one for... I'd say all of a week, whenever I came back from Dubai in the lockdown. And do you remember people downloaded the apps in lockdown yeah. and it was like yeah. it was just another thing to like fill the day or yeah. whatever. And um, for me, it was like drinking gin every day, um, having a day out at home bargains, going for your walk and just yeah. like having a scroll on Tinder. I find it to be honestly horrific and it was the caliber of people and again not to be a snob but I was like are you is this what I'm is this what I'm faced with is this is this the prospects yeah and then if there was anybody even slightly half decent they would never message you they would ghost <laughs> you and I find myself feeling really insecure yeah and I was like I'm delete I'm deleting this app like yeah. you are lucky to even get a message from me yeah and then you are not replying to me. And I re always remember a guy asking me for a picture. And banana bread was like the most pivotal part of my life at that stage of lockdown. <laughs> I, I really was on a banana bread journey. And there was a lot of ups and downs, like, you know, rise and fall. And was it a crustacean? Was it moist? So he asked me for a picture. So I sent him a picture of my banana bread, accompanied by a thesis of, you know, like how I'd been going with the banana bread making. Well, sure, he blocked me straight away. And I was like, cheeky fucker. And <laughs> then my newsflash, banana bread is not sexy. Yeah. yeah. So exactly. Whenever I'd sent it to my girls, they were like, Laura, you wanted a picture of your boobs, not your banana bread. And I was like, absolute cheeky asshole. <laughs> I dare you. And then I realized, you know what? Maybe I'm just not yeah. in the right mindset yeah. for that online dating so my point being when I went off on that banana bread um yeah. deviation I understand how tough yeah. it is and you I, have I, to be very secure in yourself you anybody do. who is like like myself like late 30s 40s now probably going back on again um it, you have to be very secure in yourself but also there's a lot of coaching like Again, going back to the inner child, 
you're going to get triggered. You're going to get rejected. You're going to feel insecure. You're going to be like, what the actual? But it's recognizing, is this me, the adult, or is this me, the inner child that's being triggered right now? Big time. And all you have to do is stand in your own truth. It's like, I am the prize. I'm not trying to attract. I, mean, I don't need to prove myself. I am the prize. And if I know who I am and stand in that, there has to be somebody. I just keep thinking that like it's self-fulfilling prophecy. If you think it's going to be hard, it's going to be hard. If you think that they're all assholes, they're going to be all assholes. But I think if you just can keep A, yourself very secure, be really aware of what you're looking for and not settle for anything less than what you want mm -hmm. and just trust that that person's there. Yeah. I think it is a really good tool because I know for myself, I'm not going to out socially as much as I used to. And when I do go out, it's a catch up with the girls. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that girl that's like checking over your you friend's know, shoulder like, to see yeah, who's I want to be present yeah. to my friend. I don't want to be looking like we've all got her. We've all <laughs> got a friend like that that you're yeah. allowed out and she's just like yeah. scanning the room for I'm like, like no, somebody to sorry, talk to. I'm not lowering myself. Yeah. So it is actually but really Amanda, hard. Honestly, even like going out and about in Belfast or yeah. I've just came from the, the Lake District, people don't socialize the same way like yeah. guys don't really come up and talk to you in a bar yeah. in the same way it's yeah. it would become so heavily dependent on tinder and yes yeah. it is an amazing tool yeah there are thousands millions of people that have met on tinder yeah. but also it's made us really socially inept and yeah the art of flirtation has kind of died and you know even if we were to go, let's say you and i were to go on a, a night in the town finding Finding as a man, right? <laughs> I think it would be really difficult to actually hook up with somebody on a night out. And I feel sorry for the young ones because they're so tied to, to the apps. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just that fear of rejection when you're out. It's like the apps have made it easy. Like you are there, so therefore you want something. Whereas if they go out on a night out and they approach you and you're like, yeah, whatever. So I think it's just the apps have just made it easier for people to have this false bravado or this false confidence and then they don't have that sting of rejection when they're out. And also um, something to bear in mind with the apps, if anybody is considering, a, a lot of people are starting again and they're on the apps and stuff and I think it can be quite scary. Just giving people a little bit of a chance. And I yeah. know this is easier said than done. If you see somebody and you are basing that swipe on physicality, if you're not attracted to them, you're going to swipe no. However, have you ever met somebody that isn't typically your type physically and their spark and their charisma mm, and their yeah. personality makes them so abundantly attractive? Or on the flip side, somebody is typically your type on paper yeah. and they're an absolute bore yeah. or they're so stuck up or yeah. they've got a personality trait that you, yeah. you just don't vibe with. So... How was your Tinder or online journey? Did you ever meet anybody? <laughs> I did, actually. I've had a couple of really significant relationships. So I was, I was with somebody for over nearly four years. Okay. And um, I was actually devastated when that didn't work out. I was really, really hopeful. And then I've recently had another like year and a half relationship. And unfortunately, he just wasn't the right match either. But I've met really good quality. And as you say, it's like sometimes... I think a lot of like decent men don't have posy photos. Yeah. 
a lot of men are really shit at taking photographs. Yeah. So I think I always go for an overview. I'm a vibe person anyway. A vibe doesn't lie. So I always go for like an overview of like, do they look kind? Do they look decent? Are they semi-attractive? Yeah. And what have they written in their bio? Is there mutual likes? Is there is there openness? What's your, what's your dream bio? Dream bio is probably, well, I'm a beach girl. Okay. So for me, long dream, walks on the beach and scaling the mountains and all yeah, that well, shit. Yeah. Guys don't really write very much, but I want somebody who's like outdoorsy vibe, who is positive, open-minded, has a bit of ambition and who is like good vibes. See the amount of bios and they're like bitching or complaining or... Don't come here if you're, if you're yeah. looking a free dinner. I know. And, no not attractive yeah really negative yeah. everything starts in the negative yeah. and you're just like oh jesus i'll leave you or angry pictures there's so many people are like mm, yeah these like angry and i'm like whoa but it is like a really interesting social experiment it's like i thought i was a nice person till i went on the apps and then i'm like nope 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 no. yeah. judgment judgment you literally make 100 judgments in split seconds and on the flip side, people are making the judgments about yes, you too. I know. And that's the better pill to I swallow. Know. It's okay for me to judge this person because he only has three teeth in his head. Yeah. And that person because <laughs> he's wearing a f certain football top or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And that's something I really struggled with in Northern Ireland. The the amount of football, football or GAA. Yeah. And I find it to be like, um, especially if you were like in a Celtic top or a Rangers top, to me, that was straight away a... Um, like an identity thing I want you to know that I'm this type of person yeah. and I'm not either type so I was just like oh no nope. that's absolutely not for yeah. me but yeah you, you, somebody's sitting looking at that picture picture of Amanda and you're on the beach looking absolutely beautiful with the wind in your hair and you're saying you're like a positive mindset and he's yeah. just like yeah but that's the thing it's yeah. like it doesn't matter what somebody else like there's a match. There's somebody will find that really attractive and somebody else will be like, oh, the book. Yeah. Sickner. Yeah. So like, <laughs> she's giving like, me the ick. I know she's giving me the ick. She's too positive. So it's like, that's the thing. It's like, it doesn't mean that you're not a good person. You're not attractive. It's just that they're not your person. So um, it's like being really clear that a rejection from somebody, it doesn't mean anything about you. They're just not your person. Next. But why I think we why get does so it take until we get to this age to realise that? Like, I, like you, feel so confident and self-assured in my own skin. Was I always like that? Absolutely yeah. not. Like, when people say that they seek validation in relationships and they're very codependent, etc., I was kind of the opposite. I was hyper dependent independent rather hyper independent because I was afraid of like the rejection in the walls yeah. of a relationship and I prefer to just stay in my own lane I prefer to be on my own and do not really expose myself to relationships yeah. that was my safe place yeah. now I feel that I'm at a stage in life where I can make much better choices I can deal with it if it doesn't work out yeah. because I've been there and I've done it already and I you kind of you, you know you know yeah. how it goes you know you know yourself a lot more where are you at in that sense I'm at this place where probably for the first time in my life I know myself and I actually like myself 
Amazing. For the first time in my life, Laura. And I used to hear people say that and think, oh, she's big headed. And it's like, no, I just know who I am. And not like I'm great, so therefore you're less than. Just that I know myself, I like myself, I know what I deserve. Whereas in my past, I didn't think I was enough. I didn't think I was bringing enough to the table. So therefore, I felt I had to keep proving myself and proving myself. And then everything's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if I'm going into this with this deep subconscious, like we weren't aware of all of this. All we were doing was trying to get somebody that made us feel good. But now I've got to this place where it's like, I make me feel good. And I had to recognize that for myself and I had to recognize my patterns and I, in relationship and I had to recognize my fears, as you say, your fears in relationship. And then it's like, if I'm going into a relationship, hoping that that person makes me happy, f- makes me feel safe, makes me feel secure, provides for me financially, like, hold on, if I'm putting that expectation on somebody else, I'm going to be disappointed. So therefore I have to provide all that for myself. So I think it's just get that deep self-awareness and that knowing your worth and not like I'm not prepared to lower my worth anymore to give people chances. I've given people too many chances. If only we knew at 40 what we knew at 18 or whatever in your early 20s when you're just like... (laughs) fighting to like I know stay afloat in the yeah, same dating and I know yeah it's so much I feel like as you grow that validation moves inwards yeah which is such a beautiful thing because finally we can say that we yeah. are in control yeah. of our own lives and we are the we are the captains of our yeah. own ship whereas when you're in those early stages of dating and life you just you seek it so much yeah. in make other people make me feel loved make yeah. me feel loved <laughs> and you are a master, in my opinion, of abundance and a, an abundance mindset relating to relationships, your own self-worth. And um, you are proficient in the abundance of money and finances. And that's something that we don't talk about much in on this island. Yeah. And there's a taboo around money and with this new season of Love Bites, I want to talk about money. I want to talk about finances and financial freedom because I feel that women especially have felt so disempowered because they don't understand the mindset of money. They don't understand the language of money. Yeah. They, myself included, by the way, and I'm over the last few years, I've really tried to self-educate through books, podcasts, being around people like yourself. Women especially have handed over that control to their, a lot of the time, their their husbands, their partners. So whenever a breakup or whatever happens, they feel like not only have I lost my partner and my home and my life is in the air, I literally have no idea about finances. And they often start off that new phase of their life on the footstep of scarcity. Yeah. Money manifesting. What does that actually mean? And if I am going to manifest money, what will actually, t- tell me about the process. Okay, that's a big question. And I totally get what you mean about the whole, like our relationship to money and our, the history. And, and it's like, it's really like, uncouth to talk about money 
and especially as a woman. So this is something that I'm trying to break that stigma. And it's something that I have had to learn so much, Laura. I had to transform my own mindset. And as I say, like I started this work when I was about 26. So I have literally been immersing myself and money and love were the two big areas for me. Confidence as well. But when, when the confidence came, then it was like, right, money and love were the two big areas that I wanted to work on. And I think they are the main, like money, love and health are like the main areas for people. So I just immersed myself because I was like, I want more. And I wasn't ashamed to say I want more. But in the past, I thought that being a good person meant that you couldn't have money as well. Okay. Because it starts with looking, so manifesting money starts with looking at your habits, your patterns, and your beliefs around money. So some people will have a million pound in the bank and it's not enough. Yeah. And some people will have 10 pound in the bank and it's loads. Yeah. So it's not actually about the amount of money that you're earning, it's about how it feels and how you feel you know, are you busting your ass to make it? Are you scared of losing it? Are you? So that we all have these stories from childhood and based on our childhood stories and our childhood conditioning, we then almost have this expectation and we just re recreate our parents, our community, our cycle. Some people then are like, I don't want that. And then they catapult. But most people just replicate what they know because that feels safe. So we almost have a limit. It's the same as, as love, health, everything. We have these limits, almost like this cap on what we think we are worthy of based upon our conditioning, our program, our childhood beliefs. So for me, I was just like, we grew up and I say there was a lot of love, but there wasn't a lot of money. So I had all these bullshit stories like other people have money, but we don't. And people with money are selfish or like doing illegal things. And it's like, it's crazy. When you really look at it, it's crazy. The amount of bullshit that you tell yourself. And then I was just like, there has to be a, another way. Some people make it look so easy. There has to be another way. And I know everyone's mindset. So it starts with looking at your limit and beliefs. What beliefs are you telling yourself? What is the energy of those beliefs? So manifesting is all about your energy and your expectation. So it's like, imagine like there's, there's Esther Hicks talks about the emotional scale. So like there's low vibrational feelings and there's high, so low vibration is scarcity. If we, if we relate it to money, scarcity, not enough. I, I don't earn enough. I can't work hard enough. It's not common. I'm busting my balls, but I can't get ahead. Whatever stories you're telling yourself, scarcity, insecurity, mistrust, not enough, low vibration. High vibration is money comes easily and frequently. The universe has my back. Opportunities are flowing. People are like as a coach, I'm always being booked. I'm always in demand. Opportunities are everywhere. Money is everywhere. Money comes so easily. There's freedom there. There's trust. There's flow. There's so how manifesting works, what no matter what you want to manifest, it's it starts with the feeling. So I spent years and years and years on positive thinking and then wondering why my life wasn't changing. But everything works on like an electromagnetic field, like manifesting. The neuroscience of it is that there's this like, the, earth, the whole universe exists in this electromagnetic field. And our thoughts are electric, but our feelings are magnetic. Mm -hmm. And it's the feelings that we produce are like 
500 times stronger than our thoughts and they are the magnet. Okay. So whatever you're focused on, if you're focused on scarcity, that is what your magnets set at. So you're going to keep getting more and more scarcity. If you're focused on abundance, enough, trust, ease, flow, that's what your magnet's at. So it's never about the amount. It's all about how you feel with what you have. So it's raising the vibration of what you feel and almost like get into that place in yourself. I had to raise my self-worth. I had to believe that I was somebody who was worthy of money, who was worthy of love. And this is a big thing for me, Laura. Money and love both come down to the same thing. They are both the energy of getting your needs met. Because people say, oh, money doesn't bring you happiness. But I don't know about you, but I'm not happy when I'm stressed. I'm a single parent. I have to pay my bills. When I'm stressed, when there's not enough to pay the bills, I am certainly not happy in that space. Mm. But when I have enough coming in, then there's ease. There's flow. I can be more present to my child. I can be more present to my friends and family. I can do more for my, for my friends and family. Do you know? It's that freedom and lightness. Yeah, so it's freedom, lightness, flow, enoughness. So manifesting at its core is, is not about what you think. It's about how you feel in yourself. So it's about developing your self-worth, okay. your worthiness. You're deserving your ability to receive and the ability to get your needs met. Because if you think about it, if you don't have enough money, money meets your needs of housing, food, security, shelter. So can you see that there's a... Oh, 100%. There's like a link. Yes, 1 million percent. And especially from that, the energy of money. You grew up in a home that you had your needs met on a love level but either there, there wasn't enough cash. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, especially in Ireland, felt that we were, yeah. we had a nice enough upbringing. There wasn't an abundance, yeah. but we had enough to get by. Yeah. And I think for me with money, I always looked at it as in, we, we were comfortable and we had, lo- we were able to go to France for three weeks every year. And I know in that respect, yeah. we had it good. That's rich in my world. Rich. We get one day to Barry's okay. a year. So we, we had th- three weeks in France and I am so eternally grateful for my mother and father. They worked very, very hard. But now I understand and I observed they had to save the whole year to make that happen. So yeah. my thoughts about money, you have to work so hard. You have to save every penny to have the nice things. Yeah. And as a result, that maybe has created a scarcity mindset of needing to save and burrow away. And that makes me feel quite insecure with money, especially my parents were both bankers, so they are very astute. My mother has a, an Excel document where every penny is accounted for I have never been like that like I'm actually now I would say quite bad with money and but I know that's a label that I'm trying to move away from but I going out self-employed my parents have always worked for other people yeah so even now I've been self-employed for two years my dad will still say to me how's that old uh job going like um do, 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 do you have do you have enough to get by like 
you know, how's that all going? You know, it, it's, it preoccupies yeah. him yeah. because he's, my, both my parents have been used to working for other people and self-employment and entrepreneurship just isn't the thing in our family. Yeah. As a result, it, it's held me back in the past and I always feel like worried about money. So let's say for this podcast for Love Bites, I'm investing heavily in Love Bites and it's something that I am doing truly for me. If nobody listens, and I hope that they do, <laughs> it's something that truly nourishes my soul and my being and it's my why. And it's one of the things that I think when I look back on my deathbed, I'll, I'll think, God, I'm really yeah, glad, I'm glad that I did, I did that. that thing. So I've got a producer. I've got this beautiful space. It takes money. Yeah. And to begin with, I thought about cutting back in so many areas of the podcast. Like, do we need to really put it on camera? Mm -hmm. Do I need to pay a producer with lights yeah. and videos and all the mm -hmm. rest of it? And the answer is yes. For me to take this podcast to where I wanted to go, yeah. I have to invest. And Kira. Kira Daly, who's a great friend of ours, I spoke to her about it and I was like, God, I'm just worried about putting in all this money and there's no guarantees. And she was like, love, yeah, come on. You need to imagine yourself a year down the line, months down the line, getting the sponsorships that you want, getting the deals yeah. that you want. This is just a small investment. Yeah. I'd probably been out that weekend and spent 300, 400 pounds at the weekend. Hundred pounds on a meal, hundred pounds on a round of drinks. Yeah. Why not put that into something that truly enriches enriches my life? So I'm on a journey as well with money yeah. and I feel that I want to keep having conversations with money. Yeah. And I know that it makes people really uncomfortable. They do yeah. think it's crass and crude yeah. and it maybe highlights to them that they don't feel that they have enough, so they're therefore not entitled to have the conversation. Yeah. I would say the opposite. If you feel that you don't have enough, let's start talking about it. Let's start talking yeah. about in you know the mindset, yeah. the origins, how we feel about it, and then really strategic ways to make yeah, more. Absolutely. And um, investing, for example, investing isn't just for the rich. It's how the rich get richer, and it's yeah. how the rich become financially free. Yeah. But anybody I feel that has an extra 20 quid yeah. a month can start investing. Totally, but it's just about like understanding the energy of money. Once you understand that everything is energy and that it is just like energy flows, it doesn't stop. So you investing in something is trusting that that energy will keep circulating and you're trusting in the flow. And when I invest, I am trusting that it will come back. But it's like, you can't keep your money all. I remember I lead a course called Abundant and Free and it's about, it's, it's based upon money, the money conversation. But if you think about it, money only comes when you invest at some level and when you create at some level. So your mom and dad were in their, day to, their nine to five jobs, which creates safety, which creates security, but it's capped. It's totally capped and they're never going to get beyond that, whatever that salary scale is for that job. But you're allowed to want more than that. You're it's allowed important to yeah. note as well that you can work to that cap and be completely content. Yes, you can be happy. happy with that. And we're not saying there's yeah. anything wrong with that. Yeah. I believe that my mom and dad 
led very happy, content yeah. lives, especially pertaining to their finances, because to them they didn't want the stress yeah. and the anxiety that comes yeah. from self-employment yeah. and entrepreneurship because you don't know when you're next. Yeah. But is it stress and anxiety or is it freedom, Laura? God, well, here we go. <laughs> because this is the this is the mindset shift. It's like you can feel safe and secure in that nine to five job, but also there's a lack of freedom there. There's a lack of time freedom. There's a lack of money freedom because you're capped and you have to be at your desk from this time to this time. To me, with the way that the, the, the world is at the minute and the uncertainty around jobs and the uncertainty around um, the economy and inflation and cost of living, to me, it's like, this is the best time to invest in yourself and building a business or building a product or building because then you're in control. You are like, you're not at the mercy of anybody else. I trust myself. Mm. I, I know that I, I will do whatever it freaking takes for me to have enough instead of like the fear of is there going to be because that fear is coming from here and then you'll keep sabotaging and you know i think people listening to this will think okay amanda this is great yeah. you're saying all these words yeah. energy abundance yeah. benefit. tell me bloody how to do it so yeah there's we, a process we there's have just process. touched upon this yeah. there is obviously so i yeah. unearthed a topic that we could yeah talk about forever yeah, this is a whole other podcast so <laughs> i think what we should do you've got a course coming up don't yeah. you and um, let's discuss how i can sit on in those calls or participate in yeah. that course and then what about getting you back mm-hmm. once i've been exposed to what you do mm-hmm. i sort of feel like the best way to truly understand yeah. your work is for me to see it yeah. firsthand yeah why don't we work in that way together? Because oh, I, I have a lot of work to do in yeah. the, the realm of finance and financial freedom and energy and all that good stuff. Yeah. Let's do that together yeah. and then come back. That's a and really good idea. And we can actually shoot the breeze pragmatically. Yeah. yeah. Tips. Tips and tricks. I literally could talk all day about it. And the course that I'm, that I'm leading is an eight-week course and see the results that people get. And I also have like a four step, I've created this like four step process as well. It's just like a mini course of that. But the four steps in that, if you're wanting something that's really specific is the first step is understanding the energy, understanding the neuroscience of manifesting. Then the next step is removing all of your limiting beliefs. We literally have to rewire our, our brains to want success. Yeah. There is a reason why the rich stay rich and the poor stay poor because the level of expectation is there. Yes. So it's like, how do we remove all our limits, our blocks that are literally blocking our energy from receiving? Yeah. Um, then the third step is creating that desired future. It's like, right, what is the dream? If you remove the limits, what is the dream? What is it that you want? And the fourth step is something that I, there's a guy called Neville Goddard that I listen a lot to about manifesting. And it is like living in the wish fulfilled. So you have to immerse yourself in the energy of it is already done or else it's not going to come to you. you. And in that immersing yourself in the energy, like like daydreaming and journaling and you're literally drawing, you're letting it feel more secure in your nervous system. A lot of it is about nervous system regulation. A lot of it is is feminine energy, believe it or not. Okay. Um, because we've been taught the masculine hustle. 
Yes. And like, and that doesn't sit yeah. well with me. Yeah. The hustle if, does not yeah. sit well with me. And boss babe. Yeah. I hate it. No. I hate this boss babe no. mentality. It goes against everything Once that I feel inside. Once you understand masculine and feminine energy, oh my God, I've bust my balls my whole life. Even that phrase, bust my balls. Yeah. The, the, the masculine is phallic. Excuse the crudeness of this, but it's directional, it's phallic, it's strategy. Do, 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 let's get this done. That is a masculine energy. Feminine, receive, flow, trust, intuition. Like if you just think of the masculine and feminine sex organs, it's, it makes so much sense. So us women need to learn to relax, to surrender yes. into our feminine and let it flow rather yeah. than hustle. Yeah, and there are some women who love the hustle and we're, yeah. I'm not discrediting that whatsoever, but I feel that so many women abstain from the art of entrepreneurship and business because yeah. they're like, but I'm not, a, I'm not that boss babe. Yeah, but you don't have you to don't be. You don't have to be. All you can you have to do so much yeah. on your own terms. Yes, and that is what I am all about teaching people. It gets to be easy. I, see as soon as I got myself out of the way I actually can't believe how easy it is and it's like nearly like miraculous the things that just flow like yeah. opportunities and yeah it's like how do I, people are how gravitating to you because of your wonderful warmth if you were a ball buster and there's nothing wrong with being a ball buster by yeah. the way but if you were I would be reluctant to maybe yeah work with you because yeah. I just want somebody that suits oh, and sometimes lovely. you need to kick up the arse of course but that's the accountability you can still hold somebody accountable but with kindness right so let's talk about this <laughs> again do you want to do a lucky dip question yes why not why not so just pick one these are my bag where's my lucky dip bag these are just questions that have been submitted by listeners have a wee dip in there and see what comes out. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Oh, I'll get two here. My writing's atrocious, by the way. <laughs> it's your last day on earth. What do you do? Yeah. That is very, um, like, cyclical for me, getting that. It's your last day on earth. What do you do? What do I do? I probably would have a beach party. Okay. I'm such you a you know the beach, such a you, beach love girl. Your, you, you love your beach balls. It's absolutely chucking it down and you put on your dry robe and you're out of the beach yeah. having a ball. But I do, I start at running women's retreats and stuff on the beach. And like I live by the beach, I live and breathe the water. I, I see swim, sea swimming has literally healed my nervous system, okay. healed my stress and anxiety as, as well as years of therapy. But if it was my last day on the earth, I, I started doing all these like, beach retreats and like weekend retreats and stuff because the healing energy of the beach but the crack yeah. just to be at one with nature yeah. so if it was my last day on earth I would have a big beach fire okay and I would hire some not hire because they just come I would get a band yeah and there would be alcohol and there would be s'mores and I would literally just invite all of my favorite people oh amazing and just have a party and just there's something so incredibly powerful about that meeting round a fire mm -hmm. music high vibes woman together supporting yeah well I that sounds like a dream to me and I know that you've got a few retreats and stuff in the pipeline and I imagine that scene yeah. will come to fruition in some way yeah. shape or form and <laughs> um, 
Oh, it does. It really does. Like the sea swimming thing. Yes, I I know that you buzz off it, and yeah. I just I still can't push myself past yeah. the pain threshold. Yeah. And I really desperately want to do it because I yeah. know that it brings so much life acceleration. Yeah. But I'm still one of those people that I'm in and I'm like, I'm actually going to die if I yeah. stay in here. And Kira and Kieran are obviously yeah. amazing at, you know, stay in, breathe, yeah. focus. I'm like, fuck the focus. I hate this. But I desperately want to be that person. Yeah. So <laughs> I am going to allow you to um, ingratiate me to the art of sea swimming abundance of money and then we're going to we're going to report back because I think this is such an inter I think it's a really important it's not a wishy-washy top subject this is something that we women need yeah. to speak more about now for my favorite part of the podcast love bites recommends I asked each guest including myself what brings them joy what are they loving it can be a book a movie a podcast anything at all what are you loving at the minute do you know something this is going to sound so weird but my egg chair oh my <laughs> and that is literally i was like the egg where is she going this egg, egg chair, chair. okay yes. i we're talking about abundance and high vibes and stuff. I have wanted, I have this wee garden space and I look out in the mountains and it's beautiful space. And I have wanted an egg chair. Okay. It sounds so simple. It is so simple for years, but I wasn't like, I kept saying, oh God, they're wild deer, they're wild deer. This is where the energy of abundance comes yes. in. I was like, I am investing in this because I want to feel good. And once you put your feeling good as a priority, Oh my God, the joy that that chair has brought to me the last two weeks, I can't even explain. And it's like, again, it's coming out of hustle mode. And there's times where I've been like, I need to do this and I need to do this. And I'm like, I'm just going to give myself half an hour. And I go out and I sit in my egg chair and I take in the surroundings and then I get my ideas or I get my intuition or and then I'm boom. So that's your little creative nest. So my creative nest, my it's just me like putting my feeling good as my priority like and trusting that from that space everything will happen but my egg chair I swear to god if I had have known how much joy feeling good and joy that that would have brought I would have bought it years ago oh my look how times have changed that we're talking what are you buzzing off an egg chair an egg chair I know it's hilarious I, ha I literally haven't stopped talking about it the last two weeks I am in love good for you yeah and um, I just continuing on with our topic of finances, I felt so empowered by a podcast recently, um, Diary, of a, Diary of a CEO. I talk about that podcast ad nauseum. I think it's fantastic. I love, I love him. And he recently talked to a guy called Ramit Sethi and he destigmatizes money and he talks about investing that for the first time I have felt connected to and I have felt that energy shift that it almost yeah it, it's almost like you anybody can do it yeah. whereas previously I thought investing was for the uber wealthy yeah. and the uber financially savvy and um and literate and it, mm -hmm. it's absolutely it's yeah. not he breaks it down into such an open accessible unpretentious way and not that. just investing by the way 
everything to do with money and I am so here for opening up the conversation around finances and I have sent that podcast to nearly every friend that I have especially the I sent it to the girls that we were in the lakes recently and we've all come from Dubai where there was such an abundance of money where we never truly had to think about Mm -hmm. money and then each of us have come back home so to the UK different parts of the UK and Ireland and we feel quite what's the word the story is different the narrative has changed and it we're not feeling great about it. So I sent that podcast to all those girls and they've listened to it and they love it. And they're all making plans to, you know, kind of pivot in their financial journey Mm -hmm. and to put away a little bit um, towards investment. And investment is a very, very straightforward procedure system. You don't have to go and do years of research into the best fund there are ways that you can invest and you invest it into a company and then they diversify your fund for you according Mm -hmm. to your risk of low medium and high and and it's just breaking it down into such a simple way that you don't feel afraid of it and so that podcast yeah. I will go back and listen to yeah. again and again and again. I recommend that everybody listens to it. And it's not just about investing. It's about everything pertaining to money. Diary of a CEO with, let me just double check his name, Ramit Sethi. Oh, I'm looking forward to listening yeah. to that one. So thank you. It's been a pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. You're just a ray of sunshine oh, on every level. And um, I'd really love it if you've come back down the line whenever um, you and I maybe do a bit of work together when it comes to financial goals and mindset and yeah and then update us on this new season of your life as well. (laughs) Thank you Laura.